Dear listeners, welcome to the Create to Heal podcast, where we have conversations from the heart about life and leadership. Each episode, we explore what creativity and healing means to our invited guests. We invite people from all walks of life to join us, from all industries and all experiences. We always use poetry and creativity to engage audience participation. We look forward to connecting with you and sharing your gems of joy. Hey, everybody, I'm Patricia Varga. And I'm Melody Wong. And we are your co-hosts. Welcome to another episode of the Create to Heal podcast. In fact, this is the beginning of season two. In this episode, we are delighted to be speaking with our wonderful guest, Colleen Coleman. Colleen, oh my goodness, what an empath, what an astute marketer. This woman is phenomenal. I've known her for many, many, many years, and I've learned so much about life and humanity and spirituality from Colleen. She lives in this beautiful place in the world called Hood River, Oregon, and she comes to us today from Hood River, Oregon. Colleen, please tell us a little about yourself and your story. Hello, Melody and Patricia. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really delighted to be here. Um, as you said, I'm, I both had a career in business development and marketing, and I'm also um, a healer and shaman, I would say. And that part of my life started very young when I was um, just a child. I would have prophetic dreams, and I always knew something different was going to come up in my life. So at about the age of 30, when I had my third child, my daughter, Caitlin, um, I received um, a calling and I was rocking my daughter to sleep and felt like there was just sort of a cone of love that came over the two of us. And she went limp in my arms and got a smile on her face. And I just heard this beautiful woman's voice say to me, you had this child to awaken you to your true work, which is of a healing nature, but it won't be traditional medicine or Western medicine, and you'll learn Reiki and Jinchen Do. And that was the beginning of a long apprenticeship where I happened to synchronistically meet Wallace Black Elk, who was the tribal shaman, the Lakota shaman who taught me and initiated me, um, also a Reiki master who sort of walked up to me in the middle of a party and said, you're going to learn Reiki whether you want to or not. So I kind of surrendered. And from there, um, I just started to work on my friends on that aspect. And at the same time, I was offered a position at a landscape architecture firm because I had been studying biology and thought that I wanted to be a landscape architect. And so I sort of did both these careers side by side. And my business development management career took on a much larger role in my life because it was more financially um, sustainable because I did not, especially in the beginning, I did not charge for my services. However, um, as I did Reiki work, 
people started to recommend me and they got well and some of them had HIV and AIDS and some of them had cancer um, and many people came for emotional healing. Um, so that's been a long 35 year journey. And now that's mostly what I do is my healing work. I've semi-retired from my business development work, but there you have it. That's just a beautiful, lovely background and blending of so many things, the creative, which we're about to get to, and the business and the business development and all those exceptional talents and abilities you have. I wrote down a couple of things because these just, they're little gems, received a calling and you heeded the call. I know we could go back to uh, some of Joseph Campbell's work, but so many heroes and heroines receive a call, but they don't listen. You listened. Well, it took me a while. I have to, <laughs> I have to tell you, I was very much interested in just launching myself into architecture and landscape architecture. I was very interested in natural resources recovery. And at that time, that industry was just beginning uh, in terms of um, well, for instance, the Nature Conservancy had just finally discovered that they couldn't just buy land and leave it alone, that they had to take care of it and restore the wetlands on those properties. Otherwise, invasive species would come in and take over. So I was very much interested in that because I wanted to understand better how humans interact with the environment, which is also why I was so interested in Native American stories and their relationship with the land. So in some ways, my healing work really crossed over because of the idea of Native intelligence and how, how do the Native Americans wake up in the morning and the entire tribe knows when the whales are there for the hunt or when the buffalo are there for the hunt. It's a real intuitive sense for them, as well as, as I've learned over the years, their ability to notice all of the signs in nature, whether it's the direction an antenna from an insect is pointing, or whether it's a certain blossom on a particular grass, you know, there are all these tiny little symbols. And so what I've noticed is in my healing work, there are also little symbols for humans, you know, and you can use the old adage of you drive. I think as humans, we don't really understand that nature is always with us and it's really always giving us those signals. And oftentimes our human logic, our, our linear logic gets in the way of that because very often those signals that come to us are um, a little out of the way. They take us off our linear path and put us into a more organic space. And if we can follow those, oftentimes everything gets better. Wow, beautifully said. And you've set us up for the first question. But before I ask the first question, I'm gonna turn it over to Melody for comments and any additional questions you might have for Colleen and what she just shared with us. 
No, thank you, Patricia. And thank you so much, Colleen, for sharing your heart with us. Um, I also wrote down just a few items. I wrote down receptive, intuitive, noticing the signs in nature. And I love what you said, Colleen, that nature is always with us and is always giving us those signals and um, pushing us into a more organic space so gently and with so much wisdom. So I'm turning it back over to you, Patricia, for the first question. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. First question is, what is creativity to you, beautiful Colleen? You know, it's such a beautiful question. Um, in my experience, it's a vehicle for discovery. Uh, most often discovery of oneself, but also of universal truth or um, expression from an artist or a musician sometimes can reach the inner workings of other people or the audience to allow them to discover something about themselves. And oftentimes it speaks in current time, like what are the things that are most important in our world at this time? So, you know, you've seen activist artists work. Oftentimes the activist artist will speak to the pop, you know, the political world out there, but also it's sometimes more subtle than that. It can be a piece of classical music that suddenly gets played more often than it has been in years. And it also opens the mind of others around social evolution. So I think that when someone engages in a creative act, while they may have a planned outcome, or a color palette or an idea to convey, true creativity releases the imagination, allowing it to lead. In the process, I think that barriers to surprise are removed and new information is reflected back to the artist. You know, scientists also talk about this. Um, Einstein said, and you know, I'm paraphrasing, Knowledge is limited, whereas the imagination stimulates progress. So I think that this is kind of giving birth to evolution. That's what creativity does. When the imagine awakens, when the imagination awakens, it it really moves all of us forward. And I'll give you an example. When I was working with the scientists that do river and stream habitat restoration early on, I went to a conference in Tampa, and all of the deans from um, Harvard, Texas A&M, Berkeley, Duke, and a couple of other universities were there. And we did a workshop around, okay, we're all bringing in Masters of Water Resources programs, which were engineering programs. But they were asking um, all of us in the audience, what is it that we should include in our curriculum? And I just raised my hand and said, you know, I've noticed that different scientists don't speak one another's language necessarily because they're so focused in their own discipline. So, you know, we all just recommended that they open things out a little bit and, you know, have some of those engineers study biology and hydrology so that they could understand one another's creative process. And so this kind of opening of the imagination into an other realms, I think works in science as well as art. And it's really important. 
I think I have another quote here um, from Rick Rubin in his new book, The Creative Act. I'm reading that right now. And he says, expressing oneself in the world and creativity are the same. It may be impossible to know who you are without somehow expressing it. And I think that's really right on. That's spot on. Um, random acts of creativity can be just walking into your closet and going, what What brings me alive right now? What uh -huh. color do I want? What, what is it? What kind of a suit or just a scarf or what is expressing me in this moment? And to your point, Colleen, often people think, oh my God, you know, I have to have this perfect canvas piece at the end or the perfect poem or the perfect, you know, several chapters when it really is that creative act reflecting back to you the wisdom within and who you are and is guiding you and taking you along. And the journey is what's important. Uh, the opening of the imagination, I loved what you said. And you and I have before talked about David White and how mm -hmm. he has gone into engineering companies and brought poetry alive to engineers to get them to think differently and to be mm -hmm. exposed to different thinking. So uh, it's beautiful. Would you please tell us the name of that book again and the author? Uh, Rick Rubin. He's a music producer, but his book is called The Creative Act, A Way of Being. And uh, he was featured on 60 Minutes a couple of weeks ago. So I think you can find that video online. I will. Thank you. Perfect. Yeah. I turn it over to Melody for questions and the second question for the podcast. Hey, wow. I love listening to both you, Colleen, and you, Patricia, um, talk about expressing. And the more you express yourself creatively, the deeper you head back into your calling. And that kind of goes back to what you said in the beginning, Colleen, about when you reach that point of surrender to that calling and you started your healing work. Oh, that just, it's, it gives me shivers. It gives me chills. Um, <laughs> and it, it's so beautiful to hear about. So I, we, we definitely want to hear your take on this next question, which is what is healing to you, Colleen? You know, I thought about this question when you guys um, asked me to come on the podcast for a long time and really what, what it came down to is I believe that healing is a return to innocence. And some would say forgiveness or the giving and acceptance of unconditional love. And this may sound like an esoteric way of healing is to come back to innocence, but it's really specific to every kind of illness in my experience. For instance, you know, it's pretty common knowledge that um, most antibiotics are specific to one or two particular diseases. And so there's a vibrational match there between the medicine and um, the disease. And when those two come together, things go into a neutral place, which is really just balance and innocence. It's coming back to fresh start. And so in an emotional healing, it tends to be more a type of forgiveness or letting go and really allowing yourself to become one with the acceptance of what's happening to you. And I 
I think a really good example is, you know, Patricia in her workshops tends to use the create to heal to get people there, um, you know, using either writing or artwork to get to the point where they're no longer recognizing that time is of the essence. They're, you know, just awakening to what's happening in the moment and accepting themselves for what's who they are in that moment. Brilliant. We've often said, uh, Melody and I have on this podcast, that healing is remembering of who you are. And mm -hmm. it goes back to what you just said. It's a return to innocence, remembering who you are. And it could be from lifetimes ago or just right here, right now. And it's the giving and receiving of unconditional love. That is such a beautiful phrase. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one example that I can think of that's a a real social issue right now is, um, I think it was back in the late 90s, Patricia, I may have told you about this. I read an article about a young man who went into a cafeteria with an AR-15 to shoot, you know, to shoot the kids up. And he was, I think he was a high schooler himself. And the vice principal that was nearby came in and walked up to him and was able to look at him with enough compassion, respect, and tenderness that he said, come on, son, just give me the gun. And the boy surrendered and gave him that. And, and I think what that vice principal must have been able to do is to help that young man come back to innocence and come back to a feeling of he doesn't have to fight because he doesn't have to be defensive because he's he's innocent. And um, I think that kind of acceptance is what's really needed right now in our world. And it's not very easy to do when we're all busy, 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 going, going, going. And oftentimes it takes having some sort of breakdown or some kind of retreat in order to get to a place where we understand ourselves well enough and we're confident enough not to be threatened by what's going on in the world. Wow. Uh, that word <laughs> acceptance is a beautiful word. And yeah. I was just imagining as you were telling that story about the, the teacher, in essence, diffusing uh, what that young man was going to do and that acceptance, which is what you do so beautifully in session with people, accepting them for who they are, seeing them very clearly. And as we go back to the, I think you called it the cone of love. You and your daughter felt the cone of love. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, it was like a beam of light that came over <laughs> us. And I've, you know, it sounds almost otherworldly, but the reason I remember it so strongly is that I had, scan my memory to to see if I had ever felt that much love in my life and even from my own parents and I hadn't and I just it kind of broke me down emotionally I just could feel the tears just hardly they had a hard time stopping but over time um, it continued to come like once a month so I learned 
I learned to accept it, but um, I'm very, very grateful for it now. And, you know, it was such a profound experience over those 10 years that it was, you know, I would receive trainings in when I'd go into these meditations and that cone of love would come over me and I'd be shown something about my life or why I was hesitant to be a healer or techniques to use with others. Um, and then I confirmed those things with the teachers that I met in, in human flesh, like Wallace Black Elk and Vincent Mom Stogan, who were also, they were Musqueam hands-on healers from the Musqueam tribe in, I believe, Vancouver, BC. And none of these people are alive now. So I'm really grateful that I had that experience. Thank you so much for sharing all that beauty and wisdom. Um, I'm going to let uh, beautiful Melody do the honors of the third question and bring forth any comments she has. Thank you, Patricia. Um, I want to go back, Colleen, to what you were saying about about you encountering this uh, this dark force in your house, and I think right. yeah, would you? be so kind as to share it with our listeners. You want me to tell the story? So this is during my apprenticeship when I was between the ages of 30 and 35, I would say. And, you know, I'm 65 now, so it was a long time ago. But as I recall, I was walking down this long hallway in our house and there was a little alcove into a closet door to the right of the bathroom door. And I was walking down to go into the bathroom. And as I passed the little alcove, I saw this little black monster out of the corner of my eye, like with tentacles and everything. It was probably two feet tall, like a, a round ball. And I thought, what? And so I looked to it and it was gone, of course, when you look directly at it. And then I decided, okay, I'm going to walk back and forth a few times and see if I still see it. And I did that and I did see it. So then I get into the bathroom and I just stand there and say a prayer and ask, how do I get rid of this? Maybe it's just a dust cloud and I'm dramatizing the experience, but this is what it looks like to me. And I don't get, I don't usually hear a voice. I just feel a vibration in my body. And what I heard that vibration say was, forgive it. And I thought, I don't, it hasn't done anything to me. Why should I forgive it? And I just heard, just say a prayer of forgiveness. And then in my mind's eye, I saw, I did say the prayer. And in my mind's eye, I saw this little monster float up in the sky and turn into a ball of light. It just turned into light and became, you know, like pure sun. I thought, wow, that's kind of amazing. And as I walked out of the bathroom, I noticed that the entire room seemed brighter and um, it felt cleaner, like someone had just cleaned the house. You know that feeling. It's a, It was an act of forgiveness, apparently, but who knows? <laughs> it sounded like you released it and you released it and it was released. Mm -hmm. uh, wow, that's that's phenomenal. Yeah, it's um, 
It's something that later on I noticed would happen a lot with my clients or patients um, when I would be doing energy work with them. Sometimes they would be carrying darkness in their body and um, I was able to turn it into light through, or we were, I think people really heal themselves, you know, and those of us who are healers are just a witness and a facilitator for them. That's beautiful. I am, this ties into something that I heard recently and it's, you know, everyone knows the saying hurt people, hurt people, but healed people heal people too. (laughs) And like, like you were so eloquently saying, give them the space to heal themselves as well. That's so powerful. Thank you. It's, it really has been a gift to me to be able to watch people create miracles in their lives. Beautiful. Um, That segues into our final question. What is the divine to you? You know, I think that the divine for me is um, a combination of freedom and forgiveness. And it's sort of like a vibration that comes to me as that feels like true freedom, freedom from pain and suffering and any kind of confusion, complete clarity. Um, I, I've always thought that the way I think of God is that we're all cells in the body of God. So it's really a combination of everything in my mind and anything that's darkness or what some people might call evil I think is encapsulated in good, in the goodness of all that is. So um, I don't see, I wouldn't say that I see God as a man or a woman, uh, but to me, it's that complete freedom. And you know, love, of course, is encompassed in that. (laughs) I just wrote down exceptional thank you yeah i think those people who i know or have met that were the closest to the divine were extremely eccentric people and i i thought about it for a long time about how they came to having such a high vibration and also being so quirky you know if you if you look at uh videos of um Bishop Tutu and the Dalai Lama teasing each other. And sometimes they can be really um, sassy and almost sarcastic. And the same with um, uh, when I met Gyatro Rinpoche, who was such a wonderful, bright soul. Um, He could sort of throw a ball of light across to your heart and you would feel it come into your body but he was also extremely funny and sarcastic and i thought about it and realized these people must have accepted every part of themselves both the good and the bad and become humorous about that part of themselves that others might see initially as darkness my grandmother was like that she'd say you'd say Oh, Grandmommy, you look so beautiful today. She'd say, Oh, you're just saying it because it's true. <laughs> but she was four foot eleven and two hundred pounds. <laughs> so 
I think that's the key to really connecting with the divine is accepting yourself and feeling the freedom of that. You mentioned some of these remarkable um, healers and uh, spiritual teachers. You introduced me to Richard Rohr. Mm -hmm. Can you tell our audience a little more about him, please? Um, you know, I have only started reading about him or listening to his words um, pretty recently because one of my clients has really loved him for a long time. Um, he is a Franciscan monk that started a healing center, I believe, in, in Albuquerque, Patricia. He also is really all about acceptance and learning how to... Um, you know, when you see darkness in another, accepting that that same darkness is in yourself rather than judging or pointing fingers. And I think that's kind of hard to accept for some of us, but it's really true. Thank you. I'm going to turn it over to Melody before we go into the final part of our journey today. Yes, thank you both. Um, I love listening to you, Colleen, speak about the lightheartedness that comes with people who are so close to the divine. And it's definitely a journey, right? Everyone has their unique journey to get there. And I think all of us experience that sort of juggling act of moving away from the judgmental and moving towards acceptance and recognizing you know, just how interconnected we are and how our struggles, um, even though different, are, are still similar as humans, you know. So I, I love that the, the keys of connecting you mentioned are accepting yourself and feeling the true freedom of that. So that really resonated with me. Good. Yeah. Colleen, it's such a joy speaking with you. Um, we're not going to let you go quite yet. <laughs> not do that quite yet uh we what well, we're just going to say thank you up front for all the wisdom and the beauty and the sharing that you've given us what i'd like to do um before we kind of segue into a request i have of you before we uh conclude the podcast i want to bring up um a dear friend of mine uh, named mike purdy mike is going through stage four metatastic cancer. He has been battling this for several years. I want to say three, three and a half. He, within the last year, decided to put his journey into a book called Reflections of an Uncertain Journey. And I've had many a discussion with him about what he's been going through. And, you know, cancer is certainly an uncertain journey, but we all have uncertain journeys, regardless of what we're going through. Life is uncertain. And at the beginning of his book, he wrote this beautiful prayer. I'm going to read it because it's, I think it just touches the heart. And then I'm going to ask Colleen to conclude our program with her own prayer. She's got mm. beautiful ones. So here we go from Mike Purdy. Holy God of grace and mercy, we belong to you in body, soul, and spirit. As we walk this uncertain and often rocky path, remind us that you are with us each step of the way. Teach us to number our days, to hold each one lightly, knowing you are the Lord 
of the journey. May we sense and know your calling for us in this season of life. Unfold us with your love and bring us joy on our journey, even as we experience sadness and grief. Amen. Amen. Beautiful. That's so beautiful. Um, let me think here for a moment. Dear Lord, bring us the light that shines on both our darkness and our, our own light and allow this podcast to reach out to others who need to hear it and bring spring a little earlier this year. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I'm not... <laughs> Before um, we conclude, Melody and I would like to say a few words. And as always, we invite your gems of joy. If either of these beautiful prayers sparked something within you, please write them down and send them to us. Send them to pv at patriciabarga.com, pv at patriciabarga.com, and we will read them during our next podcast. Thank you, and I'm turning it over to Melody to conclude. Thank you, Patricia, and thank you, Colleen, for your heart and for speaking with us in this wonderful space. Um, it was so lovely to hear your words of wisdom and about your calling and your healing and your your connections with people. I I feel so inspired talking to both of you ladies, and you know this is a beautiful Saturday. I just hope that we can. Um, each leave here uh, refreshed, renewed, and as Patricia always says, onward. <laughs>
and the time we've shared together. We invite you to send us your gems of joy. Please email us at pv at patriciavarga.com. My initials, pv at patriciavarga.com. We look forward to connecting with you on our next Create to Heal episode. Thank you.